podcast with Tola Dole Fisher. Hello and welcome. This is Woman Alive with me, Tola Dole Fisher. This is the podcast for Christian women where I'm chatting with real women about real life and real faith. The marriage ceremony is kind of read from this little book and it can seem to come across as quite kind of Christian and biblical. I went to the Bible and started looking and I couldn't find it anywhere. I had been living in Belgium before I moved, um, I got married and that it's not a thing there. It becomes traditional and you just accept it. We're talking about exchanging rings in, in church and you just accept that this must be biblical. The Woman in Life podcast is produced in partnership with Open Doors. Hi and welcome back to the Women Alive podcast. I'm Thomasel Fisher. I'm the editor and creative director of the Women Alive magazine. And the premise for this podcast is that I sit down with three guests to discuss one of our recently published articles. We are now in the second season and this is episode four. So I'm very excited to finally be getting into the swing of things with this podcast. And today's conversation is about traditions and specifically wedding traditions. Should you change your name after marriage? Do we really need an engagement ring and a wedding ring? And is any of this actually biblical? Hopefully you're going to find out. With me today, I have Michelle Tant, and she's the author of the article we'll be discussing today. Michelle is a lecturer and writer in midwifery. She's also a deacon in her local church, is passionate about social justice and has been married for 22 years. Congratulations to you, first of all, Michelle. Um, Irena is a healthcare professional, a gifted public speaker, and also a worship leader. She uh, is also the uh, editor and founder of the online Christian magazine, Reach and Inspire, and hosts a podcast of the same name. She's a regular blogger for the award-winning Christian dating website, Christian connection and we actually had the founder of this website um on the last episode jackie you listened back to that um and Catherine marsden is director of marketing for premier and her career has also included uh working in the healthcare healthcare profession pharmaceuticals um health and fitness clubs Catherine has also been married for 22 years and is a recent empty nester her 18 year old son has just started at university isn't that a good thing that he's finally got it's a little bit of a good thing sometimes, but on the other hand, it's just very strange. <laughs> yeah. So have you turned his empty his room into the your into your spare room yet or into a study? Uh, to be fair, I've had a really nasty cold for the last two weeks, so I've been sleeping in his room. <laughs> I'm not sure we want to make that a long term thing, but that's how it's happened. <laughs> that's so funny. I love this. Okay, um, so before we get started on the conversation, I just wanted to do a bit of an icebreaker so our, our listeners can get to know you guys. Um, I want to ask each of you, can you share a fun tradition that you have with your friends and family? It doesn't have to be a wedding tradition. It could be about uh, exchanging Christmas presents or maybe what you do for birthdays or when you get together um, to celebrate what kind of traditions do you have with your family or and with your friends and I'm going to go to you Catherine first to answer that that's a a tricky one um in terms of Christmas traditions because obviously that's what we're thinking about at the moment um always always the youngest person in the room has to 
choose the presents and hand them round to everybody, do it one at a time. The youngest member of the family now is now my nephew um, and still finds it fun. I'm sure that will change as he grows up. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can sneak another one in, because obviously I'm missing my son. Um, every time he left the house or and uh, I don't know where it came from, but it was always, bye, have a good day, don't get eaten. Wow. No idea. <laughs> don't get eaten. <laughs> I'm sure there was a reason somewhere in the midst of time, but that stuck. <laughs> what were you reading to him for bedtime stories when he was younger? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Uh, okay, uh, Irena, what's what uh, tradition that you have with your family or friends? Um, yeah, it's also a tricky one for me, but I think... Um, really it's, it's a simple one for birthdays we do try with my friends uh, we do try to um, to arrange a meet up um, for for each of our birthdays it's getting more and more difficult now that people are married and with kids um, but we try to just meet up mainly my friends from university as well there's about five of us that went to uni together we're still friends after gosh 20, 20 odd years almost <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, that's what we, we try to do. And it's, yeah, it's just really good fun. Um, even if we meet up, I think, well, about five times a year, which I think is not bad for people in their, in their 30s. So yeah. That's pretty impressive to keep that up over, um, almost two decades. Yeah. Nice. And do you all live in the same country still? or you? We live in the same country, different parts of, of the country. There was some in Bristol. Most of us are in London, which helps. Um, yeah. My friend in Bristol still tries to make it even with two kids. So quite impressive. Look, I've just moved to the southwest. Bristol is not that far away. Londoners <laughs> need to get outside the M25 and realise there's a whole world out there. There, there really is. <laughs> okay, um, Michelle, what about you? Any traditions that your family observe or friends observe? Um. Yeah, we um, come from quite a big family, so I'm the eldest of four, and um, we always get together on the first, normally the first weekend in December, and we always decorate my mum's house, do all the Christmas decorations at my mum's house, and it's really kind of evolved over the years, um, And but what's really funny is that there's different ones of us who kind of do different things, and so I always put the, tr- the lights on the Christmas tree my sister always puts like the hanging things on the pictures around the place. Um, but there's 18 of us all together with um, us, our partners, our various children. And um, my mum now lives in quite a small flat. Um, and so we're trying to arrange this day and trying to think, are the, the logistics of this going to be too, you know, too kind of high to overcome? Or are we just going to pile in? and just kind of vomit Christmas all over my mum's flat and just have a great time. So we're kind of thinking logistics, but I'm guessing that the tradition will prevail for us. So that eight, 18 of you in a, in a flat sounds tight. It sounds horrendous, if I'm honest, Dolt, but <laughs> it's going to be So that's what you're doing this Christmas, the ne- next month. Great, we're recording this at the end of uh, in November, so I, I think I want to check back and find out how this went for you in a month's time. Good luck. Way. <laughs> All right. So today we're talking about um, wedding traditions specifically. And so I just wanted to ask you, Michelle, because you're the author of the article that we're talking about, if you can just share some of what you wrote. Yeah. So um, it came out of something I saw just on social media. Um, it's kind of talking about um, women taking the husband's name. And um, as I said in the beginning of my 
my article. I took my husband's name. I didn't, at the time, I didn't have any kind of strong feelings about it. And um, so I, I kind of made a couple of social media posts and then kind of realised that I was perhaps kind of shouting into a bit of a void and thinking, let's maybe kind of write something a bit more constructive about it. So that's kind of how it came about. And I realised quite often where um, my, my kind of observations was that at the, big, at the front of the church, when you're, if you get married at church rather, um, you know, the, the, the marriage ceremony is kind of read from this little book and the, um, the traditions, the vows, and it can seem to come across as quite kind of Christian and biblical. Um, and kind of talking to people, it seems that that was, you know, that it, it must come from somewhere, that that must be as for Christians to kind of hold so fast to those kind of their vows as they are, the exchanging of rings, and then the everybody congratulates, you know, the, the man and his wife, and then Mr. and Mrs. Um, that it must be a Christian convention. And so I just, I went to the Bible and started looking and I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of how it evolved from there. And I kind of looked at what was it that was important um, and it kind of was more around, around the, um, I like the continuation of a family um, and that wasn't tied to male succession and the mm. importance of a man's name. And that's what kind of came through for me. And then I kind of moved on to the to the rings. And when you kind of got into the rings, it turned out, um, you know, this that has evolved in so many different ways, but that definitely came after, you know, I think the first time it happened was something like nearly a thousand years BC. And although the Egyptians did toy with, um, with rings, but there's more like reeds, but conventionally, it's it's not Christian. It's quite kind of, it's it's just kind of culture and tradition that it's not in the Bible that I saw. So that's where I landed. I found it really interesting actually reading the article because I didn't realise um, that you mentioned that there was the the Romans that kind of introduced this thing of giving of gifts or a man would give a gift to his wife. Um, do all of you wear wedding and engagement rings because you're all married? Yeah, Michelle, yeah. wear a wedding and engagement ring. Catherine, you and yeah, all of you. Well, I actually, I wear, I have a wedding ring, but um, I actually lost the the um the stone <gasps> engagement ring. So, um, and I didn't realise that until I actually kind of scratched myself, um, with the little. You oh know, no! It's kind of sad. So I'm kind of hoping that at some point we'll get it sorted, but otherwise I would. So I didn't want to make it that it's a point that I'm not wearing it. It, it was an accident. <laughs> well if you want to read that article uh, the article um, is called which wedding traditions are biblical and should you take your husband's name or even wear a ring so I just wanted to ask Michelle what were some of the stories in the bible or scriptures that inspired you to start thinking about this um so I um, about the rings or about the um uh, I think you started off talking about the husband's name wasn't it that was the thing that kind of kicked it off for you yeah, so it was a bit of a kind of um, a playful kind of look at who, uh, well, to go back to Genesis when it says that a man will leave um, his family and be joined to his wife. And for me, that really um, kind of, um, it, it told me everything I needed to know about kind of possession, um, whereas um, traditionally kind of down the ages that women have been the possession of their husbands and actually that was still the case until I think like 1880 when there was a law passed in the UK that actually kind of said that women did have a right to own land um, own property. Um, and so but actually the bringing in of 
um, names was about, um, so Mr. and Mrs. Tan, for example, it's actually, I wasn't a person in my own right. I was actually just the female version of my husband. Mm. Um, but when you look at what the Bible says um, about that, it's, it's this kind of, that, that, that there is no possession there and that there is that kind of leaving of families, but specifically the man left his um, his family was joined to the wife. And that really kind of was so kind of counterculture to what was kind of believed in at that time that women were possession. But actually it was kind of chucking that on its head and saying, no, that's not the case. Um, and it was kind of giving this kind of safety um, that the woman wasn't going to be kind of sold part and parcel over the, to him, that there was that kind of move that, yeah, that that wasn't the intention originally. So I really liked, mm. I really liked that, that was, you know that I saw there and kind of that's where my eyes ideas kind of developed um from that uh, and Catherine um you didn't change your name after you got married uh did you so I mean why why was that and what was the response to that at the time from friends family church um so I, I never wanted to do it. I, I can't actually remember when I got into my head that this wasn't a thing that I needed to do. Um, but cert- certainly, sort of by my late teens, I was writing um, sort of you know stuff stuff at school about the the patriarchy and all that sort of you know teenage stuff. Let's face it. Um, and you know if I if I thought of looking to the Bible to prove my point, that would have been much better. I think. Um, so I never was going to, um, and. It's a lot of people told me it would be a problem, and it hasn't been. Um, I think why why is it, why does it think right. it be a problem? What was the reason they? Um, that I mean, some some people obviously think you know legally you have to. There there is that you know, um, and the, how is how is it going to work at school or when you have kids and all all of that? Um, and I think you just have to roll with it. I mean, the lunchtime assistants, if if Thomas bumped his head, would write a little note and call and uh, write on it either Thomas's mum or Mrs. Anderson. I don't care. It's, you know, it's basically I am Thomas's mum in that scenario, and I want to know he's bumped his head. I'm not going to write to the school and tell them to call me anything else. So I think there is that. If the plumber is booked in my name and he turns up, and my husband is here. Again, it doesn't matter what the name is when he opens the door. So you know you've got to have a little bit of give and take, and it's no, and that's never been a problem. Obviously, after 22 years, um, loads of people don't know. it, And it comes up occasionally after years and years of knowing each other because we've only used first names. Or if it's a last name, it's because one half of the couple knows people better. Um, so, and I was, I was surprised that more people didn't when I got married in 2001. It felt like that's the way things were going. But just as a bit of background, I had, I had been living in Belgium for the six years before I moved, um, I got married and that it's not a thing there. You can't change your name. Legally, you are always that name. Oh, um, I and in, that. In, other, in other countries, it, it is also that way. So it didn't feel like it was, it was based in any Christian tradition or biblical tradition. Actually, it was, it was culture. Gosh, that is interesting. I didn't know that about, um, about Belgium. And I, I like that you kind of stood your ground through your teens because we all ha- we all have ideas in our teens in our teens that we don't follow through with. But 
but I like that you had that and that was just your decision. I know in the, uh, as, a, as a writer and editor, lots of people in my industry keep their names because they've had a lot of stuff published in, the, in their name. They don't want that to be, they want people to be able to find their work long after they've been married. Um, Irena, do you have, uh, did you change your name after you got married? Yeah, I did. I did change my name. Um, and was that a personal decision or was that something you never even thought about twice about? It's an interesting one. I did think about it, um, but it was one of those things that wasn't a big deal to me, to be honest. I've been married for seven years. So at a time, so it was not that long ago. Um, so I knew people that didn't change their name. Um, and I remember having a discussion with my now husband, then fiance, and he felt very, um, I don't know strongly is the word, but he really wanted me to change my name. Um, it was something that was important to him. For him, he felt like, you know, that was really a sign of us coming together and, you know, really oh. showing that we were now one. Um, and I felt like it was really important to him. And because I didn't mind either way, um, I was happy to change my name, to be honest. Um, I feel like there was a part, there's a part of me that's quite traditional as well in that sense. I wasn't doing it because I felt like it was a Christian thing to do, um, but I was probably leaning more towards that than keeping my my name because I come from quite a traditional background, traditional African background. And I think, to be honest, I would have had more questions around me changing, me not changing my not name than, yeah, than me changing my name. So, so yeah, I I did that. And but similar to Michelle, I think over the years, sometimes I think, you know, was I just bowing to societal expectations? Should I have kept my name? Um, similarly, I had you know written, you know, articles and things in my you know in my maiden name. But at the end of at the end of the day, I felt like you know it wasn't that big a deal to me. And I did actually. There's a part of me that wanted to change my name. You know especially in that first few years of, you know, getting to know someone and getting married. And it was just something lovely for me um, around now becoming, having the same name as this person. So, yeah. Interesting. But uh, so I, I'm divorced, but I, and I changed my name when I got married, but I've also kept my marital name, partly because of the faff of changing it back again and hopefully I'll get married again. So I don't want to have to change it again, but also it just, uh, it just didn't really it didn't really occur to me that to change it back I think I just felt like it, it felt like it was a backward step would would be to go backwards to my maiden name um, and I wanted to have this sense of going forward but I also didn't think of it as a biblical thing and I realized as I'm listening to you that I've kind of separated this like traditional idea of what marriage means and what that comes with change of name rings throwing the bouquets uh, you know, it's just people that are single, all that horrible stuff that happens at wedding, which is horrible and embarrassing if you're single. Um, and and the kind of biblical idea of marriage. So why have we separated this? And uh, Not why we separated it, but what, why are there two different ideas of what marriage means? And, and somehow, why, why do we just accept them all without thinking about the core of them? If marriage is really a Christian concept... Or we're, it's, if we're going to get married in church and it's that Christian idea that we want in our marriage, well, why do you have these other things as part and parcel of that experience? I'm throwing that out to all of you. Um, I think it's probably some links back to what Michelle said about the, um, it becomes traditional and you just accept it. Um, 
And because it's it's gone on for so long, so we just assume if, if we're talking about exchanging rings in, in church and they now call you Mr. and Mrs. X, you just accept that this is this must be biblical. So I don't think many people really think about it as two separate two separate things. Um and for me I I, I definitely I definitely didn't. Um I mean we can even go all the way back to say we ha- we have this conversation sometimes in 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 my circle of friends and family about even just the idea of getting married in the church is not mm. a Christian it's not a biblical tradition. Um but now most Christians would not imagine getting getting married outside the church or just doing a whether it's a um, registry wedding or anything like that. Um, I think when something's gone on for for generations and hundreds of years, we just accept it as the norm. And not many people think about it um, in terms of, is this really biblical? Um, but also I think it's because there's a part of me that there's no harm to it or in general, it doesn't seem to be that, you know, like it's, it's, it's anything wrong. So I feel like it's one of those things that is it, does God really mind if I ha- have an engagement ring or if I take my husband's name? Um, is it really important, um, you know, f- from God's perspective? So equally then, does it matter if people don't? You know, if any, um, I know, Catherine, you've got a son. I don't know, Michelle, if you've got girls or boys or um, you remember when you have children, if you have a girl. Would you mind if they say, I don't, I'm going to get married, but I don't want to get married in church. I don't want to, we're not going to have any rings and I'm keeping my name. How would you feel about that? I think I, sorry, I think I'd be more concerned about the not getting married in church bit because that was so important to us. Um, And I, and, you know, obviously can't dictate, but I would like to feel that my son would take it as seriously. The rings name, none of that matters. I think, but the the being married in the sight of God in church, that's I don't know. That, that was the most important thing for me. Okay. And sorry, go on, Michelle. No, I mean, much like Catherine, really, the, the bits around it, we've been having written it. I was thinking, you know, how would I feel if my kids, you know, decided to, and to do that or take or take another name or even blend. I'd read I read something recently about how people have actually kind of blended their surname. Yeah. Um, and kind of creating a new family name. And I really liked that idea. I was thinking how on earth it would work with mine. I am not sure that it would. Um, but um I was also thinking along the lines of about being in church. But then um my mum got remarried in a registry office and it was the people that were there. Um, she was married by um, our pastor. That felt important that that, that the ceremony was carried out by somebody who, um, you know, that had that had a faith and that it was important and kind of for, for them kind of recognised the importance of marriage, um, as in you know about being that kind of three chord. And I guess if there was ever to be any kind of an actual symbol of marriage is that you know married couples would kind of carry around a piece of rope and say this is actually probably the most meaningful piece of um marital kind of paraphernalia that we have. um but yeah I, i'm guessing that's probably not going to take off <laughs> well, look, i know lots of different um uh cultures have different wedding traditions it's like uh, people, some people smash plates some people jump over rope that's in a african-american tradition um but do 
one of you said, I can't remember which one of you was saying that, I think it was you, Yorena, said that it doesn't, it's not like it's an, it's an offensive thing for these traditions. So therefore, does it really matter? But do any of these specifically glorify God, do you think? Yeah, that's an interesting, that's a really good way of thinking about it, I guess. Um, I think it's all down to, um, down to motive. Um, so, and I haven't really thought about it in that sense. Does it glorify God? I think it's one of those things that you can also look at it and say, does it not glorify God? As in, you can look at it both ways. Um, and then that's why I feel like it's one of those things that perhaps doesn't matter so much. And maybe that's also why it's not necessarily talked about or specifically um, commanded or mentioned in the Bible because it's down to us as individuals. You know, so for example, if we take the engagement ring um, scenario, um, I know people that don't have an engagement ring or just have a simple um, band. They don't they don't do the you know diamonds or whatever stones. Um, we know that we can get into this mindset of, oh my you know my rock is really big or it's I got a really expensive ring. I think when you start going down that path. Uh, where maybe people get in debt to get, you know, the, a, a nice flashy ring, then you're moving away from really what is the point of um, of that engagement ring? Um, is, is your motive then glorifying God? Um, but I think if it's, and the way that I saw it was, you know, this was, a, you know, Rob gave this to me as a sign of his commitment to me at the time that we were going to get married at some point in the future, I was now kind of off the market as it was. And I, <laughs> and I do remember actually realizing that I wasn't, get, <clears throat> I wasn't getting as much attention from guys, you know, once I got engaged um, than before. So in a way it was, it did make a difference. Um, There's a part of me that was, you know, proud, but I don't mean that in the, in, in a negative sense, but, you know, that I was now engaged. I was, you know, betrothed, I swear, to somebody Um so in that sense, it was it's about our motives, the fact that what we were now aiming to do in terms of getting married was to have a you know godly you know marriage together. And I think that glorifies God. Um, but in terms of the individual acts themselves, I don't think it they glorify God one way or the other on their own, but it's really about your, you know, your motive in your heart. Mm. So I on the specific traditions and whether they glorify God, I'm going to just list a few kind of a few things that we assume are going to happen during a wedding or as part of a marriage. Some you might find silly, but I want to know in each one what, whether you think they glorify God or not. And I know what you said to your manager now that is about the motive, but just bear with me on this one. So the first one is the bride wearing white. What do we think about that? Because I'm going to, just to explain myself a little bit here, I was told by a close friend of my family that I couldn't wear white when I got married because I wasn't a virgin. So what do you think about the bride wearing white as as glorifying God? I, I personally, just to go straight in there, I don't think that that is a tradition that should be carried on that is, um, it's um just trying to articulate this you know um is that it kind of places the you know the value of that person on the state of their you know their sexual experience um and you know that's we know that that's not where god places our value we you know we all have 
we're all broken in various ways, you know, with kind of simple selves and, um, you know, you know, where we've asked for forgiveness and we've, you know, a new creation. And I just think, you know, it, it's this emblem is so tied up in ancient ideas of what the worth of a woman is. Um, and I don't think it has any place in a wedding, but kind of going back to many of these traditions, you know, these kind of these traditions that have kind of evolved over in various cultures over millennia um, is where we are with them now is often just around money um, and, you know, the most expensive dresses, the most expensive, um, you know, the most expensive rings and all of these things sell. And so many of these things just kind of, they're just kind of perpetuated. And so now, although I think most people, when they're kind of buying the big white dress, they're not thinking that it, symbol that it symbolizes their purity and their, you know, the, the, yeah, that it symbolizes purity. I don't think people think about that. So it's kind of being kind of co-opted by, um, yeah, by the, the wedding industry. But I still think it kind of holds ancient ideas of that a woman is not worth anything unless she's kind of untouched and that she's entirely possessed by her new husband. Um, so it's, I think it's a tradition that personally I really, really dislike. That said, I got married in ivory because white makes me look even more ghostly than I do. <laughs> again, it's just, I didn't think, you know, when I look back to the, you know, when we got married, you know, we were just, I just wanted to be married. We just wanted to be married. Myself and my husband didn't really think about it. I actually went traveling the year I, w I got married. I kind of left my mom and my husband, my fiance with a list of things that needed to be done by the time I got back. I just wasn't that involved. I just wanted it done. Um, and this is a date and, um, you know, if I could have kind of shortened all of that and kind of cut out all of the paraphernalia, then I would have done. Um, so I didn't think of, if I got married now, I think things would be very different. But I just didn't think very critically about it at the time. That is excellent. You went, you just were like, we're going to get married on this day. I'll see you when I get back. And when yeah, everything's sorted. Yeah. That is a great, that's such a great tactic. That's I might try that with just most of my life now and have a big project. Just delegate stuff. Yeah. Well, what about the idea of a dowry? So I know um, um, I'm Nigerian. Irena is also Nigerian, and a dowry is something that is part of our uh, part of our tradition. Um, Irena, do you want to explain what that is and what you think about that? Yeah. So a dowry is basically um, something or money um, that the the groom's family or the groom pays to the bride's family to you know in order to marry her and it's you know some traditions or some cultures um take that very seriously and once your your dowry is paid or or your bride price and people might scream to hear that but once that's paid you're effectively married even before you do all the other um you know wedding activities and all of that um so that's again that's one that you know as as the years have gone by people some people have started to push against. It's still very much um, the culture, the tradition in, in Nigeria, in in most cultures, at least. I can speak mainly for the Igbo culture that I'm from. Um, but what's changed over the years is, um, and it, it really depends from, you know, from differs from family to family. Um, some people use that as an opportunity to get everything they can from the, <laughs> you know, from the man before you know it take you take their daughter. Some people ask for more, depending on how more educated the girl is, um, what she's achieved. Um, so if she's got a master's or a PhD, you're going to be spending a lot of money because I guess the parents feel like, well, we spent so much money on her. Um, 
But I think over the years, people have, again, because of that whole, you know, my do- my, my child or my daughter is not, a, is not a piece of, you know, property. She's not, you know, um, she doesn't belong to me in that sense. So what most, what a lot of families do now is, so I'm just asked for the, there's a traditional um, fixed amount that is probably not even up to a pound. Um, that's kind of symbolic. So some people mm-hmm. just ask for that and just say, you know, you can marry my daughter, just make sure you look after her. Um, some people still ask for, you know, for a lot of stuff. Um, but, you know, most families now are trying to move away from that whole, you know, bride price, you know, type thing because they recognize that actually, you know, I'm not selling my daughter, I'm, you know, giving her to you you know, to look after freely. Again, I don't think that that necessarily glorifies God. I think that's that's just more of a cultural, you know, a cultural thing. Thanks, Joanna, explaining that. And then the last one I'm going to ask you, Catherine, what you think about the uh, this thing that we do, which is just so bizarre when you think about it, throwing a bouquet as a single guest. Why do we do this? It's so embarrassing. Is that something that happens at your wedding, Catherine? It, it did not, because <laughs> um, in a very similar way to Michelle. I mean, I, I didn't go traveling, um, but I did live um, 250 miles away from where uh, my, my parents lived and where we were getting married. Um, and my mum took on a lot of the organisation, primarily because she didn't do any of her own and she was delighted to do it, uh-huh. and which, which was really nice. And I, we, we spent, my, my husband and I spent, significantly more time choosing Bible readings and hymns than I did looking at flowers. My mum said, you need flowers. I said, okay, you're going to talk to Catherine about them. And that was it. Um, she sorted out with a woman from church and that was, and I really didn't want a bouquet and, to, and a family oh. friend suggested and then gave me um, her leather bound book of common prayer. It's a blue, blue um, bound book. And we put a flower on it, so I carried a prayer book, not a bouquet. And therefore, it did not get thrown to anybody. <laughs> I, that, I think that's a beautiful thing that you did. It, it sounds like you were, were you going against a lot of what people thought should be happening at the time in terms of what they were doing in their own marriages, Catherine. Um, I think that a lot of people, I'd seen a lot of people get very tied up with a lot of details mm. and getting very stressed about them. And I realised I didn't care, so why would I do it? So maybe that sounds a little bit flippant, but I was very involved in bits I cared about. The other bits could happen if they needed to. Um, and if somebody else would deal with them, really. <laughs> More importantly, pay for them. I wasn't going to waste our, our cash on that. We just we just bought a flat. So, uh, yeah, we, that's that's where that's where we were. We were looking to the future. Yeah. Well, thank you all of you for um, just being part of this discussion on wedding traditions. I feel like it would have been great, and maybe we'll have to do this in the future, get a wedding planner on to find out what they think, because a lot of their, you know, their job is based on people having all these extras that we feel like should be part of um, weddings and, and marriage. So the next, this next uh, part of the podcast is um, where we answer a sex and relationships based question that one of our readers have sent in or our listeners have sent in. 
and the series is called Great Sexpectations. Um, and this particular question, the title is, I'm dating a non-Christian who is kind and generous and thoughtful. He just doesn't love Jesus. So I'm going to read out the letter, not letter, how old am I? The, the email that has been sent in about this. Um, and then I will just ask you guys what you think. Dear Women Alive panel, I had always planned to date Christians, but I recently met someone at my work who has been so kind and attentive in a way I never get from men in the church. I agreed to have dinner with him and we've now been dating for three months. He takes an interest in my faith and I've said it's important to me. He respects that completely, but just doesn't share my beliefs. He's agreed to my physical boundaries, but said he's not keen to come to church with me. Should I walk away? I really like him and would be heartbroken to leave, especially when I can't see any dating prospects with the Christian men in my life. So that is the question that we have. It's quite, we haven't been given too much information about, about him or about the the reader and their upbringing in terms of their Christian faith. But what do you guys think about, about this dilemma? I'm quite pleased that she's said that he's you know quite open to talk about her faith and wants to wants to know about it even if he doesn't want to take it any further himself I would be far more wary if if someone wasn't interested or or distant basically um so yeah he's a kind man so therefore that is that and three months in, he probably doesn't know very much yet. I, I'm minded to think you can't limit your pool so much because everyone has the opportunity to learn and to grow. Um, that's, yeah. It's, and is, is it the end of the world if he never comes to faith but supports her in her faith? I've known many couples function very well like that as well. So I'm, I'm, I, I think you shouldn't throw in the towel is what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's almost too early to tell. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? And as you say, you know, as as the writer has said, you know, if she feels that her pool is already limited. Um all all I would say is just from having look at looking at kind of relationships around me is that your faith is something that it's not just it's just kind of a little part of you. It's not just something you do on a Sunday. Um, this is something that, and again, I'm making some assumptions about the writer, but it's something that kind of informs your decision making, your thoughts about family, um, how you live your life. It is everything, it, you know, it is everything. It's really kind of foundational and core to your sense of self. And I think, you know, somebody who doesn't have a faith, the chances are is they don't understand that very fully. They might kind of say they might have empathy for that, but they might not understand that kind of core sense of self that it has. And I just think, you know, what I have seen is that that does cause conflict over time. I've been in a church where there was literally two guys <laughs> that were, you know, that were not even in my age range. If I could, you know, get married um and meet someone, then I think, to be honest, it could happen for anyone. I think it's worth you know, just maybe trying out, and I'm not plugging Christian Connection here, but um, <laughs> go ahead. Just, yeah, just trying out other, you know, you know, other means of meeting people. Um, to be honest, that's what I had to do. It wasn't my first choice, but that's what I had to do to kind of expand that pool, so that at least I knew that I was looking, 
you know, within the Christian community. Um, and so, it worked out for me. So hold on, did you meet your husband on Christian Connection? I did, I did. Oh, <laughs> and now you work for them. What a yeah. love story. Yeah. That is very cute. And hopefully, if this reader is listening to this, then hopefully that gives her some other ideas of, of where she might meet a Christian, if that is what she actually wants for her, for her future. Thank you so much, Catherine, Michelle, Irena, for being part of this conversation. Um, however, you are listening to this podcast, please save, share and subscribe. You can read the article we discussed today at womanalive.co.uk. And if there's a conversation you want to hear on the podcast, or if you have a question on sex and relationships that you want us to answer, you can email me at womanalive at premier.org.uk. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Join me next time where I'll be speaking with three more incredible women about real life and real things. For more inspiring conversations, articles and opinions, head to womanalive.co.uk. Woman Alive. Real women, real lives, real faith.